You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. The title of my message today is called Who Do You Think You Are? Now, growing up in Cork, if someone said to you, who do you think you are? <laughs> Who do you think you are? You know, here in Ireland and in Cork, if someone thinks they're higher than who they are, we call it, you're above your station. That's right, you think you're above your station. So I knew the phrase, you're going up in Cork, I'm sure it's all over the world. There's also a famous TV show where you can trace your ancestors called, Who do you think you are? And of course, the real reason I chose this title is because the Spice Girls had my very favorite song called Who Do You Think You Are? I never even heard the song, but I was told it was I was told it was such a song. Anyway, I want to talk today about your spiritual identity. And I want to perhaps encourage you and even challenge you. Do you really know who you are? Because if you and I really know who we are, our choices, our intentions, and our quality of life is totally different. Who you and I really think we are impacts where we're at as Christians moving forward. I'm going to be looking at 2 Samuel 5, and this is all about uh, setting the Old Testament. Now remember, we look at the New Testament as Christians, through the filter of the Old Testament. We don't look at the New Testament through the filter of the culture we live in. That's really important. So if we read the New Testament and we're thinking, I don't know, EastEnders or Fair City or some celebrity, we're not getting it. We've got to know the Old Testament. We believe the Old and the New Testament is the entire Word of God. Does anyone agree with that? Amen. amen. Hallelujah. One or two said amen. Anyone else agree with it? The whole of the Bible is God's Word, and the Old Testament needs to be interpreted uh, through the prism of the New Testament. We're going to look at uh, one of the big characters in the Old Testament. Many of you will know or have heard of him called King David. And we're looking at when David was, he had reached 30. In the Bible, when a man was 30 years of age, he was regarded as a mature, fully grown man. And the Bible will say that David, when he reached 30, his beard was fully grown. Now, a lot of hipsters think they discovered beards, but guess what? Beards have always been around. <laughs> so even many thousands of years ago, they had full beards. So David is now a mature man, and he becomes a king. And this is so important for your future and for my future. Are we really kings? Let's have a look at it. David has just taken over, and I pray, oh Lord God, that your word would challenge us Amen. and help us to grow and move us beyond the slumber of the lockdown. Amen. And that you would shake us up. Are you up for that prayer? Yes. Shake us up out of the slumber of the lockdown and set our hearts on fire again through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 When David, you can read the chapter yourself later, became king of Israel, he fought against the Jebusites who controlled Jerusalem. 
But they mocked David, saying, You never enter Jerusalem. Even the blind and the lame will get in before you, David. But, I love these buts, David just said to his men, Let's take the city by going through the water tunnels. And then David captured Jerusalem, the stronghold of Zion, and he moved to live in the city which became known as, who knows it? The city of David. The city of David. And he then started a major program of works to rebuild and fortify the city. And King David became greater and greater because the Lord was with him. Hallelujah. This is God's word and that's verses 4 to 10 and you can read the context if you really want to get the full impact of this yourself later on. We're told straight away in verse 6 that David became king of Israel and he went and he fought against the Jebusites. Now what on earth has it got to do with you tonight? or tomorrow morning, whether or not David was a king. Can I challenge you? It is everything to do with your future and with my future. If you and I don't get our theology right, if we haven't got our doctrine built up within us, when an attack comes, you and I will fall. We will. We have to know the word of God. Who say amen? We have to fortify ourselves with it. And the fact that David was a king says an awful lot for you and for me. You see, in the New Testament, for example, Revelation 1.6, it says, He, the Lord, has made us, that's everyone who's born again, to be kings and priests to serve God the Father. In fact, Peter goes on in 1 Peter 2.9 and he says, You, those who are born again, are a royal priesthood, holy nation. So unless you and I actually get into our thinking, into our theology, our doctrine, that we too have a royal aspect to our nature, we're going to fall down. Now, remember what I said, we don't interpret the Bible through our culture. When, when I say king or royal, I'm not talking about a king or queen of England with all due respect, or Spain, or the Netherlands. And when it says priest, we're not, again, with the deepest respect, talking about Father Murphy in the local Paris church. It's not that kind of king, and it's not that kind of priest. We're looking at the type of king and the type of priest you would come across in the Old Testament. That's our frame of reference. And when it talks about kings, it talks about the type of man or woman who will do battle. Because kings fight battles. That's what kings do. And if you're a Christian and you really don't fight any battles, I don't know if there's an awful lot of hope for you. I really don't. I don't know that you're going to make it to the end. And you might say that's not very nice, but it is true. It might be romantic to say your grand, you'll get there anywhere, but actually you won't. And I'm looking around at so many casualties of people who just drifted, stopped fighting battles, stopped taking on board that there actually was an enemy, who in a very subtle way will whittle away your faith and my faith. You see, David was a king, and he knew a king must go into battle for the things of God. Now, equally, shortly after this, or a few years after this, David forgot this message. 
He forgot this lesson. And we read, in the time of spring, when kings go to battle, David was relaxing on the rooftop of his house. And as he looked over one evening, he spotted the most beautiful, stunning woman bathing on her rooftop. And he lusted after her. And he became obsessed with her. And in the end, he ended up having her husband killed. And he ended up having an affair with her, and their child died, and he knew there was a load of judgment coming on him. And David bought the judgment of God on his own head, to his own family. Why? It all goes back to the fact that in the time of spring, kings should go out to battle, but David stayed at home having a good old easy time. And that was the biggest mistake David made. Biggest mistake. But here in this part of his life, David knew as a king he was going into battle. So if you and I aren't doing battle, if we're not fighting the enemies who come against us, and I'm not talking physical, who'll say amen? amen. We're talking spiritual here. Who was the enemy that David had here? They were called the Jebusites. The Jebusites. It basically means those who discourage. They take away your confidence. You see, a Jebusite, maybe you've got one in your life, at work, in the family, at school, a neighbor. You see, if you've got a Jebusite in your life, and I suspect a good scattering of us do, they'll always try and take your dignity away. They will mock you, or they'll sneer at you, and sometimes they won't say anything. It's just with a look. They'll try and whittle you down. You're not educated enough. You're not white enough. You're not male or female enough. You're not good looking enough. Don't know what that feels like, but I've heard it's tough, you know? <laughs> they take whatever it is, the chink in your armor. Some people can just smell that in others, can't they? And in order to build themselves up, they take everyone around them down. That was the Jebusites. That was the issue David was facing. And David knew, both for himself and for the people of God, if they didn't capture the Jebusites, they would just try and destroy them all the days of his life. And the Jebusites were in Jerusalem. And they were in Jerusalem, which was high up. And so the Jebusites literally looked down their nose at everyone else. You've that beautiful body of Psalms, a whole batch of the Psalms, they're called the songs of ascents. In other words, as you ascend to Jerusalem, the Jews who sing them on pilgrimage, beautiful sounds, but you always have to go up to Jerusalem because Jerusalem was higher, it was up. Still today, go there, you can see it's up high. Today, I was watching about three weeks ago, there was a riot in Jerusalem and all the newscasters were calling it the city of David. There thousands of years ago in the Bible and it's still real today and there are spiritual implications even today about what's happening politically and militarily out there. It is really a fascinating subject. Anyway, that's time for another day. But the Jebusites will take away your courage, discourage you, take away your confidence. David saw that and he knew he had to come against them because that's what kings do. That's what the sons and the daughters of the king of kings do. And if they don't do it, the Jebusites will take away your confidence and your courage. We're told in verse 6 as well that they were in control of Jerusalem. 
know, I'm rogue long enough to know that even the best of Christians, the most sincere of Christians who take their faith seriously, from time to time, the enemy will try and control them through someone else very often. Yeah. It's like a codependent relationship maybe, or he'll control them through an old addiction, or maybe a hidden thing like jealousy. Maybe he'll try and control you through anxiety or pride. But the evil one, the Jebusite in your life, will try and use that as leverage to have you and have me under the tongue. You see, with so many people, the issue is all about control. They want to control you and me and everyone around them. And this is a mark, it's a part of the DNA of the Jebusite. Where does it come from? It comes from the enemy. It comes from the evil one. And Satan will use that with people to come against the people of God. And if you really are a son or a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you won't stand for it. Will anyone say amen? amen? You will not allow that happen. And you will not take it easy on the rooftop with your eyes wandering where they shouldn't. You will join with the other guys and you will go into battle. And that's my call today to you and to me. Because when you look at these guys, the Jebusites, look what they said to David again in verse 6. They mocked David, saying, You never entered Jerusalem. Even the blind and the lame are going to get in here before you. But David was a very physically strong man. He was fit. I mean that in the original sense of the word. He was a fit, strong man. David was well able for battle. But you see, the Jebusites are liars. If someone is taking away your confidence, your good name, as a child of God, they're probably a liar. And if we really listen to them, and we start debating with them in there and in there, we've lost. We've lost. They throw lies out at us, and here we see them throwing lies out at David, trying to take them down. And I love what the next verse says. Do you know the word but, B-U-T? It's a word we never think about, but so often in the Bible, when you read the word but, you, know, you see something powerful. And here we see it in verse 6 or verse 7. But David just said to his men, they had come against his dignity, his identity, his uh, self-worth. They had tried to take it, but here we see David just said to his men. What does that mean? That well, he took no notice. Amen. He took no notice. There was no answer given to them. No engagement. Amen. So often we read when Jesus came against someone possessed of a demon and the demon tried to talk, Jesus wouldn't allow the demon to talk. There are times you don't get into a conversation. Because if you do, it's a rabbit hole. It's a cul-de-sac. And it gets into our thinking, and we find our confidence and our courage going. And David wasn't going to have that. Instead, he turned away. I'd love to have watched that. I can imagine the Jebusites taunting him and mocking him. And he just let it go over his head. The big thing to remember here is, it doesn't mean David didn't feel the sting of it. What human being isn't called names or has their dignity taken from them and you don't feel it. But 
just because you feel it doesn't mean you have to act on it. Anyone say amen? amen. I love how it says about Jesus Christ our Savior, Luke 9.51, how he set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem. In other words, he was totally focused to go to Jerusalem, no matter what uh, the Pharisees or any of the enemies were going to say to him. Does that mean Jesus didn't feel trepidation and fear and anxiety? Of course he did. He knew when he would go to Jerusalem, he was going to face his death. He knew every demon in hell was going to come against him, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. If you read about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, you could see the breakdown he had, the meltdown. He knew how difficult this was going to be, but he set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem. He wasn't going to let his feelings get in the way because he knew there was something even greater beyond it. It's true when T.D. Jake said, your breakthrough is not in your feelings. Your feelings and my feelings will follow. Hallelujah. It's great to have the feelings, but it begins by faith. Hallelujah. We take a decision based on our doctrine and our knowledge of God's word. And we say, you know what? I'm going to stand on the word of God for this. Get behind me, Satan. And we mightn't feel very strong or very courageous. But we start with a step of faith. And then the feelings follow on afterwards. Well, is it written in scripture? In the book of Hebrews. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. If we don't bring faith into our daily life and fight the good fight, we really will start drifting and going down the tubes. And you know what? We will make shipwreck of our faith. The great lockdown has been the great destroyer. And I've seen the hand of the enemy all over in too many people's lives lulling us into a false sense of hyper-individualism where it's just me doing whatever I want and me and Jesus is a commodity. And that is not the kingdom of God. God has called you and me to greater and higher things. And if our feelings don't come into it, they will. But we start by faith. Jesus set his face like a flint. David set his face and he didn't engage with the enemy as he tried and they tried to destroy him. And brothers and sisters, when we see this, we can see God's hand all over it. And so what does David do? Instead of going home and going, oh, I'm, I'm as good as blind and lame, and I'm no good, and I'm not really called to be a king, and I'm not really a man of God, and he could have had a good old pity. Good old pity party. But no, what does David do? He focuses all his energy and all his thought focus onto how he can conquer the enemy. And what does he say? He said, let's take this city by going through the water tunnels. Hallelujah. Now, this is outside the box thinking. You see, Satan, the enemy, is not creative. He's just a destroyer. But God, he's creative. Just take a look at nature. What a beautiful weekend it is and has been. You can see God's fingerprint all over the heavens, all over the earth. God is a God of creation. 
He's the creator of God. And sometimes we need to have a revelation in our lives. How do we get over that big issue we're facing? We need to find the water tunnels. And I'm going to give you an opportunity in about 10 minutes, if you want to come forward, for you to have a revelation about a water tunnel in your situation in order to get and conquer the enemy that's going on in your life. And can I say, when it says water tunnels, it wasn't just water in the tunnels. Okay, we're a bit slow today. So, some of the tunnels were drinking water, and some of the tunnels were waste. Amen. Waste is a good word. <laughs> okay. I was going to say poo poo, but you're not going to say that in church. Sometimes, in order to fight the enemy, we got to get down on our hands and knees and pray. And sometimes it's like going through a sore. Isn't it? Amen. You're going through where you really don't want to be. I would much rather be lying out in the roof. In a sunny evening, just taking my sweet time and letting my eyes wander wherever they may wander. David was closer to God in his sewer than he was Amen. on top of his roof. Amen. It is better to be surrounded by waste and be closer to Jesus than be in a really comfortable palace and be far from him. Didn't the psalmist, wasn't it David, wrote, Get better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. One day at the gate. One day near Jesus. It's way better. So if you've got a beautiful home and you can hang out up on your roof and look out over, do you know what? Maybe there's a time God is saying, how about you come down and you go through the sword and you pray and you do battle. And as David and his men made their way through the water tunnels, you can read it in scripture, they overtook Jerusalem and they captured the city of Zion. And the enemy was shocked because the enemy wasn't expecting them to go through the water tunnels. What happened? David captured Jerusalem. We're told it was the stronghold of Zion. And he moved to live in the city of David. It was a stronghold. If there's a Jebusite thing going on in your life, it's like a stronghold. It's a strong place. But David overcame it. And we're told, again, looking at the New Testament through the prism of the Old Testament, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We have divine power to demolish strongholds. So if there is a stronghold in your life or in the life of someone you love, how about we demolish the stronghold by faith? Would anyone say hallelujah? hallelujah. God has given us the ability to do it. If we get ourselves off the place of complacency and get ourselves into the battle and fight the good fight. And that is exactly what David did. A good leader will always identify a water tunnel. And a good Christian, a strong Christian, will hear the Holy Spirit say, you can try and take that person on head on, or you can be wise about it, not devious, wise, and go another way about it. Maybe come around to that person another time, and so on. And so that's what David did. He captured the stronghold. If this morning you're looking at a situation internally in your soul or externally in your family or your work or your neighborhood or your education and it really seems like a stronghold, 
The God I know has given you and me power to Amen. demolish the strongholds. Hallelujah. It's called the victorious Christian life. We are more than conquerors. Now, every Christian falls, every Christian has days of defeat, but we fight back. The good fight, amen? amen? And we take the ground. And so it goes on and it tells us how David rebuilt and fortified the city. That is exactly what we can do with our souls, with our minds, with our emotions. We can rebuild and we can re-fortify after the great lockdown, after all the impact that had on us. This is a season of rebuilding. Your soul and my soul, our relationships, our vision, our community need to be rebuilt. God never asked any man or any woman to live life in isolation. Not even Elijah was allowed to live in isolation for long. We're all called to connect and we got to rebuild and refortify. And then it tells us David became greater and greater because the Lord was with him. Hallelujah. The Lord was with him. And so, brothers and sisters, who are you? Seriously, who are you? Are you just someone, as I shared on recently, and it's an hour, a week, that's your faith? Or does your faith and does my faith come into 24-7 in our lives? Because that's what God wants. We may not be in church 24-7, we're not called that way, but we are called to walk in God's presence all the time, even through our sleep. So who do you think you are? I pray that every man and every woman in this space, in all the other spaces watching online, that each one of us would see the stronghold we have to overcome. So I'm gonna pray for anyone who, wants, who needs to pray, Lord, I'm facing an obstacle, I need wisdom. Will you show me the water tunnel? And also, just to allow space for those of us who say, you know what, I took my eyes off the battle, I'm back in the fight, Lord. Here I am, back in the fight. I am not gonna laze on the roof. I'm gonna go out because it's the time of spring. We're in high summer, but spiritually, it's the time of spring when kings go to battle. I challenge you, are you gonna go to battle? I hope you are. Can we stand? We're gonna sing this haunting song about God being our good, good Father. And I love how it goes on and it talks about it's who He is and it's who I am, our identity. We're going to sing it and then we'll pray. Would you lift up your hand if that's you? 
You need God to give you a revelation about the water tunnel situation. If you want, I'm going to invite you to come up to the top. There's plenty of room for social distancing. You can stay at your seat if you prefer. But I'm going to encourage you to come up. Let's, let's own the prayer. Let's own the prayer. Praise God. We believe the living God can give us a supernatural revelation. A dream in the middle of the night. A prophetic word, a word of advice from a friend, the Bible verses coming alive into your situation. And maybe you're up here already, I also know the Lord wants people to just declare to the Lord. Now do a general prayer in a moment that, Lord, I'm in the fight. I am not going to be a tourist, I'm going to be a citizen. Praise God, we're going to pray that. So for those of us who need a revelation about our situation, can you lift your hands? Now, I'm going to ask the guys to just sing what they sang again. And as the guys are singing, just remember who you are. You're a son or a daughter of the king. Just reflect on that as they sing, just for one minute. I've seen many searching for answers far and wide, but I know we're all searching for answers. words shared and they're hurting each other. 
And this is God's word for you. He wants to turn the bad fire into a powerful fire. Instead of words that will destroy, God wants to send his Holy Spirit on your home, on your family, on your house, and your house will be on fire for Jesus. And I know the Holy Spirit is saying, we're going to pray for that transformation. Instead of it being destructive, it will be powerful. So with every eye on stage and off stage closed, we want to give privacy. If in your home, that's your situation, just let your hands go. No one is looking, I won't. Yeah, okay, 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 okay. I think we have six families represented. I'm going to ask that we all pray together now. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, into each of these homes, we pray peace. We pray shalom. We pray the words of accusation would stop now in Jesus' name. We'll say amen. Amen. We pray the words that hurt and destroy would stop. We pray you change the hearts of all the family. And instead of destruction and the house on fire being destroyed, we pray the anointing of the Holy Spirit and that your home would be on fire for Jesus. Hallelujah. We say to the enemy, hands off, get behind them, Satan. Enough of this. Let everyone in this household be born again. And let everyone have a fire in their heart. Let the Holy Spirit come upon each one. And instead of words that destroy, let them have words of praise, tongues, languages of earth and of heaven and of angels. And let this home become a mighty place for the living God. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. For many of us, we just need to say, Lord, I'm back in the fight, or I renew my vote to keep on this good fight. I am not going to make the mistake David made later on and just lay back on the roof. I'm in this for the long run, and I'm in this to see victory. If you just want to say that to the Lord, just slip up your hand if that's your prayer. Praise God. So here we stand, Lord. On this the 13th day of June, the year of our Lord, 2021. Over 2,000 years since you walked the earth. And here, Lord, are people who love you and follow you. And Lord, in this place, among your people, we declare, we are not going to be at ease in Zion. We are going to take up, put on the full armor of God, and we're going to fight and conquer the high place, and we're going to come against the one who discourages us, and who takes away our confidence, and instead of being the victim, we will be the overcomer, and we say, Lord, we're in this fight for the long run. Who we'll say amen? amen? And we want to see every stronghold set against us, conquered now. We declare it in the name of Jesus, and we pray you will help us do it in Jesus' name. And one last time, the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Let's sing this out. Let's just stay where we're standing. Come on, let's declare it and sing it to the Lord. Joseph and Mike. Love so undeniable, I can hardly speak. Peace so Still as you call me, deeper still.